What's up, peeps? Straight Shooting LJA here, and welcome to another Pitch Talk special feature. Now, we're taking a look back. Obviously, VAR has been extremely controversial recently, and, well, over the whole 2021, 2020, 2021 season, it's been extremely controversial. And it seems that on a weekly basis, we're getting more and more controversies as we go along. So, we decided that we would take a look back to a time before VAR March and February 2018 we took a two part look at VAR and how it can be implemented properly and we want to know your views in the comments section below this is part two of our discussion on VAR now it's one of them ones just a little quick recap on VAR if you didn't catch the last episode basically VAR just quick recap in terms of how it will work opponents of VAR suggest it will upset the flow of the game but it is one of them ones a review will be triggered during stoppages in play and are limited at the moment to four types of match changing incidents those are goals penalties straight red cards and mistaken identity something just to bear in mind VAR can only um, be used to overturn clear cut mistakes with goals penalties red cards and mistaken identities Um, in terms of what's been learned so far human 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 error Human error and subjectivity it won't stop with penalties in particular. It's still down to referees and VAR's judgment. So bear that in mind. Um, replays, the VAR and referees are encouraged to watch replays in real time, um, but are permitted to use slow motion should they wish, particularly with handball incidents. Uh, communication, both um, referee and VAR can start a conversation. It's not a constant dialogue during the game, but there are regular exchanges. Um, and crowds. There are issues about, there still are issues about um, showing, showing fans in the stadium what's going on. So with clubs, as we mentioned in the previous episode, there are some still big clubs, Liverpool, Man United, among others, who haven't got big screens. So you can't exactly show, right, there's a VAR review taking place. So it is one of them. But as I said, it's not used for second yellow cards and referees cannot say, I'm not sure, I'll look at the replay. They have to make a decision. And if it's a clear and obvious error, they'll be told by VAR. Now, we did discuss that in detail during, um, especially in regards to the Liverpool-West Brom game, where it kind of did generate into fast. But VAR at the moment, um, a report that we discussed last time, shows that the technology has been 98.9% accurate in decision-making during its two-year worldwide trial. Because remember, in England, at the moment, it is still in trial mode. So it is one them ones in the FA Cup and that kind of thing. It is still in trial mode. But... Fast forwarding to the 28th of February 2018, um, the Premier League could lose TV viewers if it introduces the video assistant referee VAR system, says Crystal Palace chairman Steve Parrish. Um, VAR is being used in selected um, domestic cup matches, but Premier League clubs um, are actually due to meet in April um, and could make a decision about its use in the top flight. Parrish um, says that VAR, which was used in the Carabao Cup final quite recently, could lead to stoppages and games lasting two hours. I think we are going down an extremely dangerous road, said Parrish. Um, he said, I'm very worried about VAR. I think you will lose those fringe viewers because those people who don't watch every week and will tune in and find the rules have changed, they won't know what's going on. That's why you have explanations. But anyway, we are always talking about viewers having shorter attention spans, so why have all these stoppages and make a 90-minute game one last 120 minutes? Now, as we mentioned on, the pre- on our previous podcast, um, episode about VAR. UF President Alexander Seferin said the system brings in a lot of confusion and nobody knows how it works. The IFAB at this time, on the 28th of February, were actually due to meet. We're going to get into that in a second. Um, but basically, um, but basically, UEFA has said it won't be deployed in the Champions League for 2018-19. Again, we mentioned that on the pre on our previous podcast episode and discussed that at length as well. But Steve Paris says my real problem with VAR is that at the moment they say there are four decisions where they use it, but you know that they'll that they'll then say right we're getting those right, but we're not getting the other decisions right. So they'll want to have VAR for those too. They'll end up um, using it to see if a keeper has taken six steps. I don't see a point a point in having it. 
some things when you were still kind to get injustices. I would leave it as it is and maybe um, have an extra referee to try and get things right, keep the flow of the game. Controversy sometimes costs you dearly, but it's actually part of the game. We'll come back to those points, definitely. But... From the 2nd of March 2018, Premier League clubs are not expected to introduce video system referees next season, even if um, football's lawmakers um, were to have approved it, um, the IFAB coming back, coming back to. But um, it has been reported that several teams have concerns over the trial games, and it's thought that clubs only agree on some of the reasons to review game-changing incidents. Um, the system was recently described as comical and embarrassing after Tottenham's 6-1 FA Cup win at Ro- over Rochdale when a goal was disallowed and a converted penalty overturned. But to me, those decisions were right. But anyway, um, some Premier League clubs want VAR to be used only for matters of fact, such as whether incidents take place inside the penalty area and cases of mistaken identity. There are also numbers, um, sorry, concerns over the number and quality of officials needed to officiate a full program of fixtures. Some referees have received the necessary training and several have officiated in FA Cup and League Cup games this season. However, several clubs may want to see more referees exposed to VAR in match situations with the kind of pressure placed upon them that is difficult or impossible to recreate outside of a live game. The Premier League has said it's open to considering new technology that assists match officials without disrupting the flow of the game. We are, we are monitoring closely the video assistant referee trials being conducted in other competitions. The evidence and learning provided by those trials will inform further discussions with our clubs later this season. The only voice of doubt on the AFAB board was believed to come from the Football Association of Wales. So that's an interesting one. But at that time, if the, AFA, if the IFAB had voted to bring in VAR, at least 14 of the Premier League clubs who will meet in the coming weeks must vote for VAR to be introduced into, into the top flight. Keep that in mind too. But 3rd of March 2018, quite a big day, significant one for VAR, because FIFA's rulemaking panel, the IFAB, approved the addition of video review to the laws of the game um, following a trial period, clearing the way for its use at the World Cup in Russia this summer. The IFAB panel voted unanimously to begin updating the sport's written rules to include video assistant referees and let competition organisers ask to adopt it. Um, as we mentioned earlier, VAR, which can turn, which can overturn a clear and obvious error involving goals, penalty awards, red cards and mistaken identity, has been used throughout the league season in many countries on a trial basis, including the Bundesliga Serie A, Portugal's Primera Liga, MLS and the A-League. It has also just been introduced in Brazil and Latin. Liga will use it in 2018-19. As of today, video assistant referees are part of football, and this is certainly very important news, said FIFA President Gianni Infantino, who chaired the meeting. Together with our colleagues, we have taken some very important decisions today. We had, as you can imagine, a very intense morning, fully aware of our responsibility to take an important decision for football. This topic was discussed and debated for decades. VAR is good for football, it's good for referee, and it brings more fairness in the game. And for these reasons, we have decided to approve VAR. And IFAB statement read, this landmark meeting chaired by FIFA President Gianni Patino presents an era for football with video assistance for referees helping to reason and fairness in the game. Um, FIFA has already used the technology at the Club World Cup last December and Infantino said a v- decision on VAR at the World Cup will be taken at the next FIFA Council meeting on March 16th, the day before St. Patrick's Day in Bogota as well, so we'll be keeping tabs on that. Of course, it will have an impact on the World Cup and on the matches, and it will have a positive impact on the matches. This is what the studies show. Um, from the 1,000 matches approximately that were part of the experiment, the level of accuracy um, of the decision taken by referees has increased to 99%. It's almost perfect. Perfection in our world does not exist, but VAR certainly gets us closer. So, very interesting. English um, English football, actually, um, starting its own trials in January in domestic cup competitions, has seen many controversial moments, but the impact has been largely positive over the long term in other leagues. Bundesliga, I think, has been doing it for about a year and a half already. But 4th of March 2018, Martin Glenn had his view... By the way, by the way, youtube.com forward slash pitch talk. Check out the straight shoot in view for some of my opinions on Martin Glenn. I will leave it at that. 
Um, thank you, Martin Glenn, I think is the video. Um, but the use of video assistant referees on a permanent basis in English football is a matter of time, says Football Association Chief Executive Martin Glenn. The technology is set to be used at the World Cup after it was unanimously approved by the International Football Association Board, IFAB. But the Premier League is not expected to introduce VAR next season. It's the Premier League's decision um, whether to introduce VAR, said Glenn. He said the Premier League has, in my view, chosen correctly not to be early adopters because why wouldn't you let other people find things out? The Premier League is the most lucrative league in the world, so the consequence of a bad implementation of VAR would be very serious, but likewise the consequence of not ever running VAR when the stakes are so high is a big deal as well. I genuinely feel with the Premier League it's not a question of if, but when. You need to get more experience, and the only way to get more experience is to commit to do it. The Bundesliga in Germany, actually, um, will decide on March 22nd whether to use VAR, and it's being used this season in Germany and Italy on a trial basis, as well as selected cup matches in England. Um, and I said UEFA said they will not be using it in the Champions League next season, but France's Ligue 1 it will introduce it next season. So, G-Man, Jesse, a um, couple of comments just to kind of zone in on. Um, in terms of in terms of VAR, do you agree with Steve Parrish, um, the chairman of Crystal Palace, that it's a dangerous road to go down and the Premier League could lose TV viewers, especially casual ones? Um, what do you think about the Premier League's not being expected? Well, that they're not expected to approve VAR for next season, and. Yeah, what do you reckon about it being unanimously approved by the IFAB? And should it be used at the World Cup in Russia as well? Guys, how about it? Well, well, first, start if that's okay. Yeah, shoot. Um, well, just carrying on from what I said last, last week, to be honest, um, um, I think basically VAR should be introduced out, you know, all levels and on, on top tier football. Um, if we're if we're going to go forward with using VAR, you have to start at some point. So I I totally agree with that fourth fourth mind. Um, in terms of Steve Parrish, I'm not too sure what his reasons are behind not wanting to use VAR. Either um, or whether his his views are that genuine, but at the end of the day, I think it's a bit of scaremongering that he's using, and you know, it's, it's a bit of a hyperbole in terms of talking about fans are going to walk away from the game because I don't see that happening at all. Um, if anything, and just just playing devil's advocate. Maybe something, a change in the laws of the game of football would would bring fans over because it's, there's a bit of intrigue, like just thinking outside of the box. As we're using video technology, maybe this might be more apropos to the Americans because they use video technology both in basketball and um, American football. You know, they're used to using video technology. They understand the philosophy of video technology. So maybe that could open up the, um, the eyes and ears on that sort of level and all, all, all those who some sort of sports. And um, for, for those who don't, it's like, yeah, you hear all the commotion around, yeah, this VAR and... I'm just thinking about me here. If I wasn't into football and I kept hearing, kept on hearing about VAR in the office or on the news, I'm going to want to check it out and see what it's all about. So losing fans or gaining fans, we never know, but I, I reckon you'll gain more fans than you lose. Any any true football fan that walks away from the game because they don't like VAR, I don't think they're a true football fan. That's... Um, that's my opinion anyway anyone that's offended you know you can have that in the the, the, um, the comments and give all your views or whatever but that's my opinion on Steve Parrish's um, comments there um, in terms of the IFAB um, well yeah I, I said it earlier in terms of the IFAB you know moving forward and saying Look, let's bring VAR to the world stage back having it at the World Cup I think that's that's a bold move and I think that's the right move 
Yes, Jesse Fizzle gave us a very opinionated and I think, it, you know, he gave us a very levelled feeling towards VAR, the goods, the bads, you know, and the uglies. But I've got to say, there's always going to be ugly around this when we're introducing something that's, like, out of the box for football. And um, there's always going to be teething problems. That's one of the things Jesse Fizzle mentioned last week. There's always going to be teething, and yourself, Liam. There's always going to be teething problems. But um, at the end of the day, we have to get through those teething problems by facing it head on, you know, and building some form of structure, some form of... um, well, knowledge basically, because every every incident that happens, there's a new piece of knowledge to understand, you know, the different variants of the game which will be affected by VAR, by you know, you know, rewinding, looking at defensive positions, penalties, um, mistakenly identified players, you know. So it's it's a bold move. I think I think it's it's a bold move. I think it's a good move. I think it will be something that's embraced um, just like any change in the game. And um, that is where I will leave it and allow the Jesse to well, what, what would you, just Just a minute, take that. What do you think about the Premier League not potentially not adopting it next season? Because it and, and Martin Glenn's comments on it as well, where it's kind of like, well, considering what we've got riding on it, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But we don't want to adopt it too early. Like, like do you reckon? Do you reckon that's just well, down to the team? I think it's a bit of poker there, because uh, at the end of the day, the Premier League um, is. And I'm, I've got my two fingers up in quotation marks. It's considered as one of the best leagues in the world. Yeah, and arguably it's got the best team in the world, AFC, Arsenal. But, <coughs> I'll leave that. but um, I think what the Premier League is doing is they're just waiting out to see how, you know, they're, they're trying to get all their ducks in the road. They want, obviously, they want to bring it in and they want to have a smooth transition. They know how... Not volatile the fans can be, but I think it's more how volatile the press can be, yeah? And they'll rather have more of the press on their side than have more of the press critiquing every incident that happens, as as it has been happening um, with the few incidents that we've had so far this season. Uh, So I think that the Premier League... You know, we we know that the Premier League is one to shy away when it comes to bad press, and they you know they they like to go back into their caves and act like things never happened, and then come out with some rash decisions or decisions that don't make sense. Um, so I, I think what they're what they're potentially doing is just you know waiting out, seeing how the other big leagues handle it, but you you know trying to script the rules as best they can for the Premier League and you know the like an implementation will be inevitable because for instance if we are going down the route where Germany's got it, where France will have it, where um, Spain will have it, you know that's gonna make if, if that's gonna make those leagues more attractive than a league that doesn't have it. If every other league's starting to implement it wouldn't you say that would make it more attractive if I throw that back at you? In theory, in theory, yes. Um, I mean, it, it at least goes some way to making it more fair, um, which which I guess is kind of the bottom line they're trying to go to on this. But I, I kind of like the point you brought up about um, about the press. Because in my in my view, and we've discussed this off we've discussed this off air. I think we discussed it um, on our last episode, but we definitely have discussed it off air. Where it kind of looks like the media has been trying to bury it, the, the media metaphorical burying, of course, like Triple H with WCW champions in two thousand two, two thousand three, um, that kind of burying. But it's one of them ones where it's like, I've already thought that the media have been trying to bury it. So it's kind of like, well, oh, are you rushing this through? Is it, is it this? Is it that? 
Um, and I, f- I think we did discuss about the powers that be maybe being responsible for burying it by rushing the implementation. So that's where Martin Glenn's comments become interesting because it's like, oh, okay, you're kind of now saying you're waiting it out in a way. And it's like, all right, that's kind of fair because like, like the analogy that I brought up on, on our last episode about Mac OS Leopard, when that first came out, it was terrible. Was utterly woeful, and you had people questioning whether it had even been beta tested. VAR, to an extent, the amount of teething problems that it's had, it obviously it obviously does beg beg the question: Has this been tested? Has it been tested fully? And especially the thing about letting the crowds know—it's like, what you didn't foresee this. Um, So it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the press have a real have a real knack of if they don't like something or they want to bury someone, they will twist, manipulate, the parasitic media will twist, manipulate, and like literally go out of their way to try and bury something. I mean, there's something that's happened, that's happened, well, and been apologized for in the last 24 hours where it shows that. I've seen, I've seen the same thing, the same piece of video footage like reported and reported and interpreted basically three different and re- three different ways by three separate sources. Yeah. So it's kind of like VAR has almost been unanimous in kind of the media, as I said, trying to bury it in this country. So, oh, it's shambles. Oh, it's a joke. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. And people being asked leading questions like, do you think VAR is bad? So, well, you've kind of painted me into a yes or no corner. If I say yes, you're going to you're gonna just dismiss, oh, what does he know? If I say no, yeah, see, look, this person, it's another person who says no. So that's part of my view. Uh, uh, just to add, I, I think with how big the Premier League is as well, that it, it, like, it, the, the, these sort of changes can't just be done overnight um, by a few clubs either. Um, or, or, you know, it just can't be done overnight, you know. It has to be not just a change in philosophy, but it's a cultural it's a cultural thing, especially in this country with how you know with how we know how tri- tribal we've spoke about how tribalized the, the actual Premier League is mm-hmm. or how tribal the, the Premier League is and you know where, where, where that's coming from. Sorry about that. Um, and I think like it's more that the Premier League themselves, they have to implement it in a way where it's a, it's a it's a new ethos culture that they're bringing into the game. So they need to have the right people in place to be saying the right things um, to help them get this across to everybody. That, for instance, I just say like the pundits. Now, to me... You know the press. The press are one animal, but the pundits are another animal. And at the moment, I, I see the pundits as some lawless baron because you can get people from different. And this is just going off a bit on a tangent a little, but you can get people from different clubs who have different agendas who are doing a different level of punditry, whether you're whether they're being biased against a few clubs or whether they're straight talking or whether they talk facts or whether they've had experience um, doing their their licenses. You know, you've got pundits with all different levels of, um, um, well, levels within the game and outside of the game. And the messages that come from them, and I, I know it's meant to be opinionated and... Um, and um, you know they're, they're they're meant to just basically be fans on TV that were part former players that were part of the game. I understand that, yeah. But it's like they're also meant to help the leagues that they're speaking. In my opinion, they're also meant to help the leagues, assist the leagues that they're speaking about, because they are the true representation of the game. So that makes sense to you. And sometimes they don't come across like that. They speak as if they're still players rather than they are um, fellow colleagues who are trying to teach 
fans and give an opinion about the game in a more reflective way. So instead of being ambassadors, most pundits, in your opinion, are kind of like just shooting their mouths off because they've got an agenda to get over. Yes. Because I totally agree with that, especially with people like, say, Robbie Savage. Let's pick a, let's pick a name. Robbie Savage is probably the worst of the bunch. Mid-card, at best, mediocre player. Actually, undercard, to coin some wrestling vernacular, undercard player at best. And it's like, yeah, he shoots his mouth off a lot more than he's got a right to, on a personal note. But I think it's one of them ones where he's very much subscribed to the theory that that forms the title of Eric Bischoff's book, Controversy Creates Cash. So instead of educating people and being like, no, 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 this is the way it is, this is the way it should be, it's one of them ones he's just shooting his mouth off just to get his, just to get his personality over. And it's like, yeah, okay... Pundit, with punditry, I personally always look for insight. So it was one of them where that's why with um, Alan Hansen, always I always used to love match of the day when Alan Hansen was on because I knew that he would drill down and analyze the defense. What errors did they make? What did they do well? How did they work as a unit? Did one person not work and everybody else did? I used to love that because it's analysis. I much, I much prefer when someone does that, which is like, hey, Gary, Gary Neville, as I've, as I've said, as a Liverpool supporter, as much as it pains me to say, he's an amazing, he's an amazing pundit because he actually analyzes. He's not just trying to get get his opinion over or bury someone. He actually analyzes. But in this era of television ratings, um, to an extent and trying to fight off competition from others, um, especially the online areas, it's a case of, it seems like they're hiring pundits, all right, how much can this person shoot their mouth off? Because Roy Keane, because Roy Keane seems to make a living off being the grumpy old man and just burying people. It's like, okay, <laughs> it's like, all right, mate, are you actually going to analyse what he's done or are you just going to bury him? You're like, yeah. oh, that, you know, that person's crap, that person's this, that, that, that. But that, that's part of my take on it. I'll say that much. Yeah. And, and this is it. With, with VAR, if they don't understand it, then they're not really actually going to push it the way it's meant to be pushed. Mm, not definitely. That's, that's the sort of point I was trying to get at. If, yeah. if you ain't got the pundits on board, then you really ain't going to have a chance in hell because there's, as, you, as we've seen, they... they, they they make it more confused than it actually is sometimes as well. No, definitely. I mean, Jesse Fizzled, same questions. Same questions as earlier out to you. I know you've been waiting a while. Sorry, man. <laughs> no, that's no problem. I mean, let me start with uh, Steve Parrish's comments to begin with, right? Because I have a bit of an issue with that. And my thing is, really, for me personally, it comes down to marketing, Right. So he's saying that it's a dangerous road and the Premier League could lose TV viewers. Firstly, Steve Parrish, know your role and shut your mouth. Right. Nice. Let's look at where your club is. Right. And I'm saying to you, how about you sort out that mess? Right. Before you start talking about. VAR and the Premier League potentially losing TV viewers, right? If we're talking about your club now, okay? Your club is already on a dangerous road and could be losing their, their Premier League status. So how about you go deal with that, first and foremost, right? So here's my thing. VAR is not a dangerous road. VAR is the road that football as a sport needs to be on. Now, you quoted Jim Cornette's, um, Eric Bischoff's book, sorry, Controversy Creates Cash. There's too much controversy in football when it comes to certain refereeing decisions anyway. What we're looking to do is remove that controversy. And what better way to do that than with VAR? I actually don't think there is a better way because we've tried to use additional officials in the Champions League right, and the Europa League, right? 
where, and I've said it on record, you can go back to the old podcast and listen to me say it, you've just got additional paid spectators at the game. VAR is not that. Right? And the VAR can help with sorting out red cards, penalties, cases of mistaken identities, and whether or not you know a goal is actually a goal or not. That's a lot more than having additional officials who have to have their back to the game for a lot of the time. That's all I want to say about that. So it's not a dangerous road. The funny thing about it is it's a matter of the technologies here. It's been integrated as part of the game. We have to embrace it. We have no other choice. If you really want to improve football, the way that a lot of people say that they want to improve football, right? You have to embrace VAR. I mean, we had the same thing with goal line technology, did we not? Yeah, there was and the technically same goal line, Yeah, Goal line technology should have been a dangerous road. The goal line technology should have lost TV viewers. Except, was it really that dangerous? Or did it help to clarify one of, you know, the key decisions in the game? And did it not make the game much more exciting? Knowing that if there was going to be uh, a controversial call like that, goal line technology would intervene and actually clarify that. Which means that, to me, you'd get more people to watch because one of the selling points of goal line technology and subsequently VAR is, listen... All of these regular points where our human referees, who are also human beings, would usually get them wrong, they've now got assistance, which means we can get more accurate decisions more of the time and give you a much better spectacle as a sport. To me, that doesn't sound like anybody's losing viewers. If anything, you're gaining viewers, especially if you want to talk about the really, really big and important games across a league or cup season. Right when you're talking about you know first versus second or first versus third, and you know we're talking about a matter of maybe a single point or goal difference being a differentiating factor between those two teams. If you're talking about quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals of domestic cup competitions, that sorts that out. That increases viewership, and if you want to bring derby matches into it, even more so. So, Dangerous Road, Steve Parrish? Nope. Losing TV viewers, Steve Parrish? Nope. Let's move on from you, right? Because that's about enough of that. So, I would say, again, my overarching point is VAR has to be embraced. It has to. And if the IFAB are saying, listen, we're going to have it at the World Cup, I really don't understand, right, how any country or any league in the world, right? Because aren't IFAB part of FIFA and acting with FIFA on this? Yeah, they're basically their rulemaking board. Right. So FIFA is in charge of football across the world, last time I checked. Or am I looking at that wrong? Do I not understand that? No, spot on. (laughs) Right. So if they're in charge of football across the world, then... They tell the world of football what is going to happen and how it's going to be done. Right? So there's not this whole thing of, well, you know, the Premier League is its own entity and they'll get to decide for themselves. No. The decision's being made for you. Right? This is what you have to do. This is when you do it. This is how you do it. It Seems pretty straightforward to me. Right? This is, you know, not one of those meritocracies where it's like, oh, well, you could possibly... No. No. Right? This thing needs to be carried out uniformly and in a draconian fashion, in my opinion. Just to quote the straight shooting one, just a little bit. Alright? So basically, all the member countries of FIFA get told, this is what you're doing. VAR technology. This is when you're implementing it. This is when... um, This is how you're implementing it. And there's really no further discussion, right? What I would like to see the IFAB do is actually produce a set of guidelines, a standard operating procedure, if you will, 
in relations to VAR. Telling all of these countries, this is what you need to do. These are the leagues that you're going to implement it in. These are the competitions that you're going to implement it in. And if you have any further questions, you can refer to our VAR hotline. To me, it's really not that complicated. Right? So how the Premier League can go and say, well, oh, well, no, maybe we won't know. That just sorts that out by itself. All right? The Premier League clubs do not get a vote. The English FA cannot say, oh, well, no, we don't want to. Tough. The decision's already been made. It doesn't say. The technology's already there. It's about to be part of the game. It's something that needs to be embraced anyway. So if I'm FIFA, right, and I know that I'd want a lot of things to be democratic, but this is one where I'm like, no, actually, this is autocratic. I don't need your vote on this. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing, because this is about actually minimizing refereeing mistakes. This is about actually assisting referees during games where, let's be honest, right, they're in the middle of stadiums with thousands of people, right, high-pressure situations with really no recourse if they get the decision wrong, right, and under an enormous amount of scrutiny anyway. We were talking about the media earlier, right? And we're saying how the media have their own agenda. Listen, the IFAB need to set the agenda for the media in regards to VAR. Well, the IFAB say, listen, this is what you're saying about VAR and nothing else. Right? So if that was the case, Steve Parrish doesn't have a leg to stand on where it's like, it's a dangerous road. No, it's not. This is what the road is. Simple. So again, you know, I, I really don't understand how, you know, Premier League, Premier League and the Premier League clubs, it's not even necessarily the league itself. It's the clubs that are going to say, mm, I don't really know. Like, really? Do the clubs really want to be in a position where, hang on, one of the reasons why one of these clubs happened to lose so much money from being out of the Premier League is because of a poor decision that could have been resolved by VAR, that's not resolved by VAR. Are you really trying to tell me that a team that's chasing for a Champions League spot or fighting for the Premier League title wouldn't want their season to be resolved by VAR when it comes down to a controversial penalty decision or a red card decision against arguably the club's most important player? I don't think they're going to argue against that, right? So if they happen to need someone to negotiate this from a public relations or marketing perspective, listen, you guys can contact me. I'm on LinkedIn. You can get my contact details. I'll happily represent you for a very high fee. And I'll introduce you to my two assistants, the straight shooting one and the G-man, if you need that to go down that way. Because I really don't understand how it could be anything other than that. Right? Because one of the biggest things in the media that we talk about when it comes to decisions is about quality of refereeing overall, their level of training, right? And actual decisions that they make. So why would you want to take away, arguably, the biggest and most practical help that referees have ever had? Why would you want to take that away? It makes no sense to me. No sense. And the Premier League clubs being able to say, mm, I don't really know. Again, I don't understand it. Premier League clubs should be more for it because, let's be honest, how many controversial decisions have we had this season alone? Quite a few. Now imagine if those decisions were actually resolved through the use of VAR because it was actually implemented properly, the IFAB have put down a set of guidelines where everybody knows how to use it, when to use it, what to use it for. It's a totally different season after that. Totally different. Right? Can any of the pundits who, as the G-Man rightly pointed out, seem to have their own agenda and seem to be a separate arm of the media, 
actually argue against any of those decisions when they look back at it against the replays? I don't think so. They'd be in full agreement and full support. But to me, that comes down to the IFAB telling everybody, this is what you do, this is how we're going to use it from now on, and not necessarily leaving it up to individual countries, and in some cases, even individual leagues, to decide for themselves. No. I think certain decisions need to be taken away from them. And it's as simple as that. Now, in regards to Martin Glenn, I have a lot to say about Martin Glenn personally, but this isn't about that. I'm going to go back to his point where actually he says, it's a matter of time. And in that regard, I agree with him a million percent, if that's even possible. I do agree. It is a matter of time. Because as I say, the technology is there to be embraced. It has to be embraced. There's no way around it. It's inevitable, in my opinion. The part that I don't understand, right, is why he wouldn't want the English FA to be one of the world leaders when it comes to VAR. Why he wouldn't want to show that the English FA is committed to not only being a beacon within world football as to how you use VAR, but also to offer advice. So for me, there's a big window there where, let's be honest, England and the English FA is supposed to be the godfathers of football, right? The creators of football, but somehow they're lacking behind because of their own indecision. What kind of world football and leadership is that? What kind of founding father behavior is that? To me, it's not. And, you know, for now, it's like, oh, well, you know, well, the Premier League this, and, you know, we want to make sure that it's right, and it's that never, blah, blah, blah. How about, right? You use the Premier League to show everybody else how to get it right. How about you put English football at the forefront because of that? rather than sitting on the fence and being behind everybody else in spite of it. Just a thought. Do you know what? I'm going to latch on to, I'm going to, latch on to that last thought. I've, I've said on a number of occasions, in regards to a few different things, um, especially, especially prejudice in football, when, we look, when we've looked at homophobia, and we've looked at racism, we've looked at other things as well. Um, and also especially disability in football. When we've looked at each of those three topics, the one thing that football has always done, it's always lagged behind. Um, they've always, there's, always been, there, there's always been the opportunity for football to be forward-thinking and progressive and almost always have dropped the ball. And that point you brought up, Jesse, about, um, about how about the FA, about how about the FAB kind of, Standard bearers, standard bearers, rather than bringing up the rear. Um, it's I, I'm kind of with that. I'm I'm with, I'm with that. I'm with that in part, but part of me at the same part of me at the same time is at the, is at the end of the day with with, with coming back to what Steve Parrish said about it being um, about being it being a dangerous game and the Premier League could lose TV viewers. Well, Steve Parrish, your team might not even be in the Premier League much longer, so let's leave that aside. But him, I mean, there, there, as, as the G-Man said as well, there there has been a lot of hype. There's a lot of hyperbole in what um, in what Steve Parrish says because he's like, oh, um, well, what's it? I think you'll lose the fringe viewers. Um, because those people who don't watch every week will tune in and find the rules of change. They won't know what's going on. Well, sorry, mate, but that's why you explain it. That's why you explain it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like it's not that hard to it's not that hard to explain VAR. We summarised it for what five minutes at the top of at the top of this segment. It's used in four different places. So, sorry, four different four different instances. So it's a case of goals, penalties, straight red cards, mistaken identity. And if there's blatant errors with those. How simple is that to explain? Uh, that, so what Steve Parrish is saying, no, I'm, I'm sorry, but no. It's one of them, that's not, that, that, oh, we'll lose fringe viewers. 
Well, it's a case of fringe viewers are not the ones subscribing to BT Sport and Sky Sports now, are they? So that's not your core audience. So why are you worrying about a, a potential collective of people who are not your core audience? So, Steve Paris, sorry, mate, leave your opinions at the door, please. Um, but the thing is about viewers having shorter attention spans, again, again that's a non-issue. If you explain... It, if you explain what's going on and it's like, right, we're going to take a minute just to review this decision on VAR. If you keep people updated, then they're not going to disappear. And if you, and uh, again, it's, the, it's this thing with implementation where it's like, if they can get the times down, because Liverpool West Brom at some point de- degenerated into fast because it was taking three and a half. One of the decisions took about four minutes if you can get that down to a comfortable minute, if that, boom, good. But the only way, but the only way that, the only way you are going to get those decisions made quicker is by experience. And how do you get experience? Doing something over and over again. Repetition is king. Ask any footballer. Repetition is king. How do you get better? If if you haven't got a right foot, how do you get better using your right foot? You keep using it. You force yourself to use it. So eventually, it will become better because your technique develops. You get quicker. You get you get you get quicker at making that decision because now you've got another foot to use. You get better at using it. So it's one, so it's one, so it's one of them ones. I mean, I'm so, but again, with Steve Parrish as well, it's like saying, oh, a 90 minute game could turn into an hour and 20. No. Liverpool West Brom didn't turn into that. Didn't turn into an hour and 20 minutes. So, no, mate, once again, no. <laughs> it's a very archaic view, in my opinion, that Steve Parrish has come out with. That's why I don't agree with it. That's why I think. That's why I think he's 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 be, this guy's being bullheaded. He's being a moron. It's like, dude, change is coming. Either you be a part of it, or to coin or, or to coin a phrase, evolution will pass you by. To quote Triple H from 2003, it's like evolution has just passed you by, Steve Parrish, and we can see that you're still dragging your knuckles. Sorry, dude, but that's just the way it is. At the end, of, at the end of the day, it is one of them ones. Yeah, it will probably extend into other areas, but there are a lot of. I mean, I mean, you look at one of the primary ones outside the original four. You'd look at offsides straight away because there were some woeful offside decisions made. So it's like, well, at, at, at the end, of, at the end of the day, there are some, there are some things that yes, it can be used in, and hey. I know of some people who don't watch football, or at least not as much, because there's a lot of injustice in the game. And other sports have been jumping forward and using VAR. And at the end of the day, all of those other sports had their teething problems. Like other sports, whenever technology's brought in that there are teething problems, it's, it's like if you're the first to buy an iPhone on the first day, you better get prepared for some bugs. Even though you paid 600 quid for that phone, you better be prepared for a shed load of bugs whilst they work out the kinks. So there, there's that. There's, there's also that as well. But again, similar to what we, what we discussed on the last podcast, it's mixed messages. When you've got UEFA coming out and saying, well, we're not going to use it. But then certain leagues are like, yeah, we're going to use it next season. And then you've got other leagues saying, no, we're not going to use it. So, in theory, FIFA and the IFAB could hand down some mandate and say, right, if you're taking part in European competition, you're using VAR. You ain't got a choice. As Jesse Fizzle said, take the decision out of, out of these leagues' hands and be like, right, to make this even across the board, implementation everywhere at the same time so everyone's on the same level playing field. And everybody is getting the same opportunity to work out the kinks of VAR at the same time. So you're not getting one league steaming ahead and knowing exactly how to use it. And they've got decisions being rendered in 30 seconds to a minute. And another league is taking four, five, six minutes to render decisions because they're still working out the team problems. No. Football's got to move forward and it's got to move forward as a united front. 
And that for me is the key thing. And that's for me is the problem because FIFA are saying, yeah, we're happy with it. We're going to meet, we're going to meet, um, I think it was in um, Bogota, Colombia. They, they're going to be like, yeah, at our next meeting, we're going to discuss whether we're going to use it in the, in the World Cup. Biggest competition on the planet. And props to FIFA. They're like, you know what? We're going to consider using it this quickly. And it's like, all right. All right. As long as you know what, as long as you know what you're doing. But at the end of the day, you've got UEFA saying they're not. You've got certain leagues saying they're not. It's all mixed. It's all mixed, and that's one of the major problems. I mean, the Premier League club's not expecting to um, approve VAR for next season. It's like, as Jesse Fizzle said, like we're supposed to be the godfathers of the game over here, and I'm not talking about pimping ain't easy, pimps up, hose down. I'm not that godfather. I'm not talking about the godfather when it comes to making you an offer you can't refuse. But it's one of them where it's like, at the, at, the end, at the end of the day, this is where it starts coming down to, yes, I agree with Martin Glenn's comments about it's a matter of when, not if. But again, with the power struggle between the Premier League and the FA, you've got the FA chief executive saying, yeah, it's going to be introduced, I'm all for it. But then you've got the Premier League clubs who are, like, who are not expected and the league itself are not expected to bring it in next season. You, it's like you've you've got you've got the FA and the Premier League singing from completely different hymn sheets again. So if that's happening just in one country, then you look at the free, the three three of the biggest entities in the footballing world: FIFA, UEFA, and our own FA, not singing off the same hymn sheet. Again, it's one of them was it makes it very easy for the media and pundits to bury VAR because they can just use that as the crutch. Well, if they can't agree with it, why should we support it? And I'm not agreeing with the pundits. I'm not giving them any sort of leg to stand on. I'm just playing devil's advocate in that one because I think a lot of pundits, as mentioned earlier, are just trying to get themselves over. Just trying to get their own agendas over rather than actually analysing and properly discussing what's going on on the screens. It's like Robbie Savage. Don't want to hear your whiny, irrelevant opinion. You were a Jay Brown as a player. You, you, you would do... You were literally football's equivalent of a jobber as a player. So leave it alone. You're supposed to be here for analysis, not shooting your mouth off, because that's all you seem to be good at. But I mean, it, yeah, the Premier, the Premier League, the Premier League not expected to introduce it. It's like, why are you purposefully being a day late and a dollar short? I can understand, yes, early implementation. Oh, there's going to be bugs and that kind of thing. But how are you going to work out the bugs? If you don't, if if you're not like willing to take the chance, and with what's on the line, especially in Premier League football, which is the most lucrative league in the world, you would think they would want to be like, oh yeah, you know what, we want to make this a bit fairer. You want to make this fairer. I think most pundits in the parasitic media are just worried about, oh, we won't have as many talking points to debate and discuss. When really and truly they should be taking a page out of our book and we have never had a shortage of talking points to discuss. And that and that we don't we don't do results and analysis on our podcast, but we still got loads to talk about. So it's like it's one it's one of them ones. If if you really want to look for stuff to talk about, there's a lot to be talked about on the pitch, off the pitch, and relating the both. So don't agree with that. But the fact that it was unanimously approved by it, by the IFAB, I'm actually happy with. I'm actually happy with. But as long as they get it right. Just like the recent news about Sainsbury's restructuring, that's, that's obviously hit the, hit the news. It's a case of if done right, it will, it will be a very good thing. If it's done wrong, then you're going to be like basically four steps back. But... It is, it is the responsibility of the powers that be to make sure it is done and done right. So not just making change for the sake of it, but looking into how to do it right. And right first time. Not one of them ones where we got to come back three, four, five times. Do it right the first time. You won't have to come back and do it again. That, that, would, be, that would be the way I'd look at it. I mean, I, I, mean, I said... Martin Glenn saying, "Oh, it's the Premier League's decision whether whether to introduce VAR." I'm sorry, but the F, but the FA are the governing body of the English game. 
the Premier League is one league of 20 teams. The FA needs to grow some balls and tell and tell the Premier League, yeah, you may be our cash cow, but this is for the good of the game. So you're implementing it. You're doing it along with everybody else because we don't want you, we don't want the English game in general falling any further behind anyone else. Because we're already 15, 20 years behind certain countries. So... It's it's one of them was I think that the FA need to be looking at the bigger picture and need to grow a pair and actually say to the Premier League, no, you're doing this, you are doing this. Look at the bigger picture. It's like yes, you're the most lucrative league in the world. Yes, a lot of people love watching, but at the end of the day, if these other leagues such as La Liga, Serie A, League A, um, even the Brazil Real, the Brazil Real as well. Whereas one of them was, they're implementing it. They're implementing it. They're getting the jump on us. They're getting, they're getting decisions right. They're tr- they're using VAR to help their referees and also to help train their referees as well. That's a that's another thing as well that VAR can be used for. I mean, I've always I've always said yes, VAR could end up as a crutch for referees to to rely on. But it's a it's a case it's a case of without without throwing the G man's business out there. It's one of them was I know the G man does a lot of work in e learning and a crucial and from, from what I've seen of e learning a crucial part of it is video. G man, I don't know if you want to correct me if I'm wrong, but hell, video is a crucial part of e learning. And if you're teaching someone, video is the most powerful the most and the quickest way to teach someone something not just say it to them show them here's yeah. an example yeah without a doubt without so, a doubt it's yeah. most compelling as well so it's one it's one, it's one of them was them to I mean at the end of the day Steve Paris talking about people with short attention spans well, well, well. It's it's a case of if you show if you show people what's going on and let them know what's going on, they ain't gonna be tempted to move. Like, we're, like, we're, like, if you're gonna lose TV viewers if you're taking five minutes to make a decision and you're not explaining it, because people are gonna be like, oh, okay, game stop. I can go for a beer. I can go for a whiz. I ain't got to come back in a while. That's that's where things things are gonna screw up. But the fact of the but the fact of the matter is VAR could actually be an invaluable resource for teaching, for teaching referees, which is something I've only just thought of that to be perfectly honest. But again, I'm not getting paid. To, I'm not getting paid to think this through, am I? So it's like, well, I mean, VAR could be one of them ones when you're teaching referees. It's like, okay, this rule is like this. Let's let's go to the video wall and show you an example of this in action. Boom, and use VAR that way. And show how VAR was implemented at that point and why. Because it's not just the what, it's not just the when, not just the who, not even the how, but the why that's important. Why has VAR had to be brought in? Because of all these controversies. And maybe Steve Paris going, ah, controversy is just a part of the game. No, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna be saying that if on the last day, if on the last day you lose because of a questionable penalty decision, um, that could have been avoided by VAR. Steve Parrish ain't gonna say that. He blatantly isn't gonna come out and say that, and you know he would. He'd be like, "Oh, I wish VAR was in. Oh, it would have helped us there. Oh, look at that." He would. He'd be the first one. So. Uh, I, I, I said, I said, VAR could be an invaluable resource. As I said, especially for teaching, could be absolutely invaluable for that. But with this kind of, if you've got one Premier League chairman like opposing it, and you've got a number of teams who can't even agree on financial fair play, let alone agree on something like this, then the media are going to bury it. Pundits are gonna pundits are gonna continue to bury it because they're already doing. They're both both entities are already burying it. They're just gonna continue, and at the end of the day, the implementation is gonna be slower, and then it's gonna put us behind other countries who are willing to take the chance and implement it. 
yeah, there'll always be teething problems. But if you think if you think about okay, right, this could happen, so we need this as a contingency plan. Hmm. Crowd. Oh yeah, we need to keep the crowds in the loop. How do we do that? Like we mentioned on the last podcast, how about partnering in the stadium announcer? Simple solutions. There are simple solutions to a lot of these problems, but they want to overcomplicate things. The powers that be want to overcomplement things, and then the good old boy networks end up kicking in, and it's like, oh, it's like really, dude, you're making you're making football look like a joke. You. It's not as if like people haven't got enough to look at football and think, oh, it's a clown show. That sport's a clown show. We've got racism, homophobia, match fixing. We've got enough. And it's like, oh. But, but as I said, I would, I, if, if VAR can be implemented right and implemented quickly, I would love to see it at the World Cup. Because you wouldn't get controversies like England-Germany back in 2010. You wouldn't, when Lampard scored, you wouldn't get that controversy there. It'd be a little more even-handed. Um, in the Champions League, you wouldn't, you may not have got Luis Garcia's ghost goal. You may not have gotten that. Yeah, so it's it's one. So it's one. That, it's one of them ones where it's like Pedro Mendes, and in the Premier League, Pedro Mendes's goal that wasn't. Um, I think there was even what's it, Reading v Watford back in two thousand nine in the Championship. It's like, wait, hold on, the refs, wait, hold on, the refs blown for a goal. No, that ball hit the bar and came back out. It went nowhere near in. So literally, so literally, ju- just there, I've, I've named an example from a World Cup, Champions League, Premier League, and the Championship where where it's one of them was a, a, where VAR could have sorted it out straight away. There's numerous more examples. Hundreds, maybe even thousands more examples. But, as I said, I was at first I wasn't in favour of VAR, but it's one of them ones where it's like, you can't not be in favour of it, just purely when you look at logic. When you look at logic, but it's all about getting the implementation right. All about getting the implementation right. But, I said, it's it's definitely one of them ones where, yeah, dependent on decisions made, we might have to have another show on it because there are decisions to be made by certain leagues within the next well within the next month or so. There are going to be decisions made and big ones, so we're going to see. We're going to see. Jersey G man, was there anything else you guys wanted to add? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to say this is is my closing statement. IFAB, if you want somebody to go and actually implement this strategy for you, go and talk to everyone around the world of football and get VAR where it needs to be, holler at me on LinkedIn. Yeah? <laughs> I'm available. I'm available for work. No, you, you laughed, G-Man, but I'm available for work. And I'm saying this, Martin Glenn, if you want to keep your name out of the press, for good reasons, and you want to have somebody actually handle the VAR situation... In English football. Hold up, man, LinkedIn, right? I'm available for work. And this way you actually will be in the press for good reasons because you hired someone to deal with a situation rather than creating one for yourself. For the wrong reasons. G-Man, you got got anything to add? I'm just going to say I'm looking forward to seeing VAR on the biggest stage and I can't wait for the World Cup. Fair play. Fair play. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm with you guys on that. That's it. As long as they get the implementation right, then we're all good. Then we're all good. But the only way, as has been said, the only way you're going to get that implementation right is by using it and using it live. Because, hey, as we've shown before, there's nothing like live. Whether it's music, whether it's filming, there is nothing like live. But, hey, and as I said, I, I think VAR can be an invaluable resource when it comes to teaching. It could, it could be. So, you've seen now part two of our VAR special feature segment from back in 2018. Let us know what you think in the comments section. Let us know what you think we got right. What did we get wrong? Has VAR surpassed expectations? Fallen short? What's wrong with VAR? Is VAR 
just the crutch for bad ref- crutch for bad refereeing? Is it papering over cracks? Is it being applied right in the 2018, sorry, the 2019-2020 season and also 2020-2021? Cause it's been extremely controversial lately. So it's one of them where it's like let us know your views. Remember, at Pitch Talk on Twitter, tweet with us, follow us, see what we're up to. Facebook.com forward slash Pitch Talk, come fam, come fam, come member of the group. Join the footballing revolution. We've restarted lately, bigger and better than ever. Shout outs to Nathan Arsenal, JBK. Also, yours truly, straight shooting LJ, the G Man, and Jesse Fizzle as well. Also, remember, we are on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and also Google Podcasts as well. You can find our audio there. And a lot of archive material on mixcloud.com forward slash pitch talk as well. YouTube.com forward slash pitch talk for all of the videos, including vlogs from yours truly, Straight Shooting LJA, the Straight Shooting View, Coaching with JBK, Five Minutes with the G, and much, much more. I have been Straight Shooting LJA, and until next time on this pitch talk special feature, thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us. Spread the word. <laughs> Pitch Talks special feature.